and see yourself here on KFGO. Sorry, we're too busy talking off the air. Now we got to get I mean, the conversation on the air. Let's be honest. Seat yourself started 15 <laughs> minutes ago when John Strand walked into this Dairy Queen and started having conversations with our friends from KFGO yes. and meeting people. <laughs> I love it. John Strand, city commissioner. And um, we joke that we're staying with the newspaper theme on Seat Yourself because our last Seat Yourself featured Nancy Edmonds Hansen oh. of the FM Extra. And now we have John Strand of the High Plains Reader, Fargo City Commissioner, and uh, just all-around good guy, as we said in our promotion for today's show. John, welcome to KFGO Radio, and welcome to Seat Yourself. You know, it's really a, a pleasure to be here. And, and how different to not be in the studio. It is, yeah. isn't you know, it? <laughs> and, and, and I didn't know it's a newspaper theme that you're kind of working. Well, we didn't really, we didn't really realize we were doing it either until we brought you up as our next guest, and then we just kind of realized, like, that we had kind of entered this theme that we we just kind of stumbled upon us where we didn't mean it to be, I guess. You know, it's kind of like talking rotary phones. People go, "What's a newspaper?" Yes. <laughs> we talked all about typewriters actually when Nancy Edmonds Hansen was on. She Tell has a favorite. If you can she believe does. that, she has a favorite. I, I bet she does. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wrote a book one time about how to be a, how to get published. Yes, yes, yes. We talked about that a bit too. And she was a really seasoned, paid professional journalist mm-hmm. back when a lot yeah. of people were volunteering. I want to say her birthday is like around Christmas. Oh, maybe. Don't ask me. I, I don't, don't know, know why. We, but I, I, I don't know why we even. Okay, so let's 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 dig deep into John Strand's background with publishing and with okay. being a writer. Let's start at the beginning of John Strand's journey. You know, I love this topic. I'm, I'm, I, I really do. I love this topic. My mom was, I believe, the only woman editor in the state when I grew up. Really? And she was. She started at the newspaper in Grafton, working with the Morgan family, Riley Morgan, who, who was a powerhouse politician, through through time, and then they co-owned the Cavalier Chronicle, and I was from Crystal, North Dakota. And, and so they, they placed my mother in the Cavalier newspaper to be editor, and she was there for years. And, and, and it was just really something to see. She was a woman in a man's world, you yeah. know, with a very different dynamic and a different, you know, to have a, a woman at the helm of a, of a newspaper. So I grew, I grew up around newspapers. I grew up around the Grafton paper and the Cavalier So this paper. is like in your, in your blood. It's in my blood. <laughs> and, and let's continue. You know, I... I when I got out of college, I got a call from the Morgans in Grafton wondering if I would, and actually I was in Washington, D.C., and Jack Morgan called me to know if I'd come home and be the editor of their paper. I'm going, gosh, Jack. I, what are you doing in D.C. at the time? I was working, I, I was trying to get out of North Dakota. <laughs> sure. Yeah, oh my gosh. You, your I was, I was really yep. trying to. Your, your story and my story is very parallel. I, get a I was call. trying to get out yeah. of North Dakota, yeah. and I yep. did for 90 days. And, and Jack called me up and said, I need an editor. I go, well, I, I'm not a journalist. He said, we'll teach you journalism. And I go, well, I, I've never taken a journalism class. He said, that's not the point. He knew my mother was a, an editor, and he yeah. knew it was in my blood. And I used to take pictures for them sure. and, and you know, and do little photography for the. So I, I went home to Grafton in 77 in the fall and, and moved back and took over there, and I was actually writing sports for a few months and then became their editor. I knew I was going to be. But it's in my blood. It's in my, and, yeah. and, and so then, while I was there, and while I was in college, I was a volunteer 
on campus with Circle K. I was president of the Circle oh, K yeah. Club, which was the biggest, best Circle K Club in the U.S. and Canada. We were amazing, you know. We were amazing back then at NDSU in the 70s. But I, I got to know everybody in town who was challenged, de developmentally disabled and stuff. We did volunteer programs. So I knew everybody in Special Olympics. I knew all the programs, the SPI home, the Teague home, the ha you know, the homes that they were in. I knew yeah. them all. Then I get to Grafton, where the state school was. Now it's the developmental center, the Grafton State School. Yeah. And 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 of course it was in our backyard all those years. I had I had no idea. I had no preconception whatsoever that my relationship in the community and my relationship with that institution would be affected so much because I. I, I wanted to do coverage of programs like Special Olympics and things that I used, and they wouldn't let me. Uh, I, I want, I, 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 one time I ran a story in the newspaper, and some folks in Grafton don't even know this parts of this story, but they, they do know it turned into a class action lawsuit, and that the federal lawsuit turned the institution upside down and ultimately deinstitutionalized about 1,200 out of 1,500 people or so. And, and it started with my inadvertent accidental journalism because I just didn't know any better but I I, I I wanted to do coverage on anyway we could talk about that for hours you guys yeah I, I really what did you what did you want to do coverage on what how did it start it I wanted to do a story on on the prom and they told me no yeah I wanted to do a story on on things like that and, and I every time I you know and then they had an open house and, and I ran a story in the newspaper, Grafton newspaper, announcing this public open house at the wow. institution. I show up at the institution at the open house, and I'm greeted at the door by the assistant superintendent who says, what are you doing here? I had my camera. I said, well, I'm, I'm here for your open house. He said, what are you doing here? I says, I'm here for your open house. He said, do you have a media permit? I said, a what? He said, do you have a, a media permit? And I go, this, what are you talking about? He said, do you think these people are on show? Do you think that they're just mm. out to be? And I go, so I'm, I used to be a debater, and I went home and I researched my rights and yeah. researched their rights and, and had that ongoing thing. And then uh, some months later, the institution reached out to the newspaper and asked us to, to do a photo for a, a, a presentation by Northwestern Bell. They were giving a learning disability device to the institution, and they wanted a picture and, and they handpicked people to be in this picture. And I'll, you know, I could talk about this for hours again. But, uh, but I didn't have a photographer, so I sent my sister Mary with a camera out there just to cover to get a photo. And Mary comes back, and she says, John, you wouldn't believe what happened. I go, what do you mean? She says, you, you wouldn't believe what happened. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, we're ready to take the picture. And there's like a, a handful of adults in there, people that were representing the institution and representing... Northwestern Bell, the donor, and there were three. We the the word people used back then were residents, residents of the institution. I think there were three in the picture, and right when Mary was going to take the picture, this assistant superintendent put his hand up. No, oh, stop! Wait, and he went up and he approached the group, and he put his hands on the shoulders of the three residents, turned them around so their backs were facing the camera. He said, "Now you can take your picture." Oh, that is utterly bizarre. What? And this is 1978. Yeah. So I ran that picture big. Yeah. And well. I wrote my first award-winning editorial uh, ever about 
you don't do this to people. Right. You don't treat people, family, right. people's family yeah. members this way. And that was, that was the, uh, that was the uh, beginning. The, the, that was the breaking of the yeah. dam. Wow. I just got deluged with things and information about the institution and it evolved and it's a little tiny, tiny fraction of what I got exposed to ever got published. I just got goosebumps mm -hmm. thinking about how you just changed the trajectory of so much and the treatment of so many people. It, it's maybe my biggest accomplishment without trying to do it. Right. Sure. It just happened. And you know, up and upstairs. It didn't just happen, though. It didn't just happen, though. You no. had, I mean, because that's the beginning of the story. It sort of fell on your lap, but you didn't have to do with it what you did with it, right? And it, I mean, it, and it took it got, your tenacity. It got complicated. You know, in a little town yeah. like Grafton, not little, but 34% of their people worked at the institution. There was a point where the superintendent pulled my boss and others in, and actually Don Haney might have been at the same meeting. I was going to say, because he was at the radio yeah. station then, but he yeah. called them in and. He's pointing fingers at me and saying, this man is going to cost you your job base. Because an upstate, Geraldo Rivera had just exposed uh, an institution there, yeah. and it was similar type stuff. We were all, everybody was warehousing people then. For, yes. North Dakota was just the last state to stop wow. doing it. Goosebumps. Just newspaper. So that's yeah. the beginning. So now there's no way you're not hooked to no. what to to the integrity of of a journalist job. There's no way you're not hooked to um, what you can do, what you can accomplish, and how it feels to do good journalism at that point. So then I left and I went into medical sales. I had 13 <laughs> years in medical sales. I made money doing medical sales, but I never had a job. I had a heart in. Yeah. Like that. Like I that. never had that right. feeling of contributing to your community, yeah. participating in the dialogue and the debate, throwing things out there that, that affect your community, hopefully positively. Yeah. And I just ached for that. Sure. And then when I, I left the medical field, it all changed, and I didn't want to stay in it. And wouldn't you know, I get another call from the Morgans, this time John Morgan, <laughs> the next generation. And, and this is like 1994 or 95, and he says, John, I need an editor. I didn't see here it coming, we go again. but here I go back to North Dakota. <laughs> it's full circle. And while I'm there, <laughs> while I'm the High Plains Reader was rolling off the presses. You know, there were some folks from Grand Forks that started this weekly or this monthly newspaper, and and I loved it. I just loved the High Plains Reader. I I found it so refreshing, and and I watched it get printed, and I watched these young journalists do something out of heart, and then they announced they were going to shut down or give it, pass it on, and. Some of us took it over, and that became a labor of love. It was never for the money. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've I've talked to other people who you know, who were integral, uh, integral, integral. There you go. I got it eventually. Got it in the HBR, and they said, "Listen, you know, we did we did stuff that that other other people never thought we could do in North Dakota, and the HPR has become an institution. You know, you go to Chicago and you try the Reader in Chicago." The HPR is the same level of content and certainly talks about things that other papers aren't. I mean, yeah. as someone who, like, loves the arts, thank goodness we have the HPR because for years we wouldn't have been able to build an art scene without it. And yeah. we did it with volunteers. Yeah. yeah. Just everybody yeah. had heart. They wanted some things. And, you know, what fun that is to 
pay people with hugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to talk more to John Strand. He's here with us um, until 1 o'clock here on KFGO. You can text us at 35270 and join the conversation. It's Seat Yourself, brought to you by the South Fargo Dairy Queens, and that's where we're at today. You can uh, come in and take a seat with us and have a little lunch. We're on 45th Street, right by the interstate. You can't miss us. We're trying out some new Seat Yourself bump music today. Yeah, excellent choices. You know, because 2024 is going to see a, a, a revision of our music, and so some people will be happy with that. Some people will be upset about it. I don't know. We're workshopping it, so don't worry. We're not stuck on anything. John Strand is with us. Um, just an incredible story about sort of the beginning of your career. You went back in Fargo. It's High Plains Reader. When do you decide, not only do I want to cover and be a part of these conversations, but I, I'm going to hold office. This and, is what and, I'm going to do. Let's back up just a okay. little bit. Okay. <laughs> we, we bought the High Plains Reader, which was in Grand Forks. Mm -hmm. And we bought it, I want to say, it, Raul Gomez and I, and Jim Johnson was part of that back then, another guy. We bought it in December of 1996. Three months later or so, Four months later, Grand Forks washed away mm -hmm. in the flood. Yeah. Our office was gone. It burned. Our building was gone. That Our little tiny newspaper was in. All of our advertisers were gone. We had nothing. Oh, my gosh. We had just started. We intended to and were expecting to and were unfolding an expansion into Fargo anyway, which was natural. We didn't know it would become our new home just like I that. I get just I see. To, to survive. Yeah. We had to. Yeah. We had no choice. We were dead in the water because yeah. we didn't have a town. So our newspaper was a, a loss in the in the Grand Forks flood of oh ninety-seven. So then we landed here, and and then got involved with the local community. I I I, I ended up in a, a really major um, gargantuan fight with the county through my newspaper, kind of sort of. When I was in Grafton at the state school. I remember back when there was a legal notice published by the state that they were going to demolish some buildings on the campus. Three of the four buildings were absolutely gorgeously, historically beautiful. And one of them, you know, junk kind of. But yeah. And I go, you, why can't we? So I wrote an editorial in the Grafton newspaper saying, you know, not for nothing, but before you tear down buildings that are historically relevant and owned by the public, can't you have a conversation about is there another future public use that could be yeah. considered rather than demolition? And everybody up there rallied. The governor's office, Rosemary Murdo was lieutenant governor, Ed Schaefer appointed her to, and they saved those buildings and turned them in, Metro Plains over time turned them into gr terrific housing I love and it. a fitness center. Then, then in Fargo, I did the same thing when they were going to demolish the jail and the sheriff's house. I stupidly. Can't you do better than that? <laughs> Rather than tearing down historic, relevant buildings that are owned by the people. And Boy, I didn't know where that was going to go. That turned into a... I was on trial for a week. So we can add the word Gen rene renegade. Renegade. Yeah. When, I, when I ran for office for years, people would call me an activist. You know, I don't mind the word activist. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a good word. I like that. John Strand with us here. You can join the conversation at 35270.
It Takes Two, Amy Eiler, J.J. Gordon, and John Strand is our guest today on Seat Yourself, brought to you by the South Fargo Dairy Queens, and that's exactly where we're having lunch today. We're at the Dairy Queen right near the interstate. We keep saying, like, across from Pizza Ranch or Sickies, right next to Casey's. You can't miss us. There might be a water park over here someday. Eventually. Hoping, eventually. So <laughs> um, you can stop by or, or cruise through their drive through to get lunch. But um, I, I just a fascinating conversation about John strand in his his career and his accomplishments someone's wondering in our text club is there a correlation with mr strand in the strand theater in grafton i love that question you know there used to be a chain of theaters called the strand theater in valley forge new york one time i found one and i took a picture of this historic old down old theater and down in key west there was just this grand strand theater well grafton had this Strand Theater forever and still does. They've lost their round awning to the front because trucks keep running into it. <laughs> but when I, was, when I was a kid and my mom was at the Grafton newspaper before going to Cavalier, I think it, I'm trying to remember the name of the family that ran the, the, it'll come to me, the family that ran the theater in Grafton would send posters home with my mother so us kids would put them around Crystal. And then we had a, fa- a pass to go to any movie like I saw first ever James Bond movies in the Strand Theater in Grafton. But no, there's no relation. Uh, it's it just, just an a, accident. Yeah. And yet we had the Strand Theater pass with people like, oh, you're really, <laughs> that's really special. Wow, <laughs> you're a Strand with a Strand Theater. Someone said there's a Strand Theater in Britain, South Dakota as well. Oh, wow. So apparently need, they're down there too. I need to go take my picture yeah. in front of it. Someone else said, John has done excellent work for Fargo. However, this would definitely be a mistake leaving current site for law enforcement. Community deserves much better on purchasing new site for law enforcement. The well is running dry for retired families. That's a text in. So so a, a little praise to you, but then wants to talk about a serious note as well. It's okay. You know, we, we need to live up to the expectations of the citizenry. And, and, and we need to pay attention and know what they want and need. I really believe the public wants public safety front and center. I believe that there's no holding back, especially after last July, July mm-hmm. 14th, you know. But even before that, I, I think it's our highest value almost is public safety. You know, so uh, the, and the, and the city is expanding to the point where we're just huge. You get down to the southern end, so our, our police department isn't ideally located for serving that geography. And what was the second question? Probably it was, um, it was, it was it about was, that, the, the, including the well is running oh. dry for retired families. It is. I'll tell a J.J. story. You know, when J.J. ran for mayor years ago, we've talked about it at the table here, but you were this, I called you a kid. Yeah, I was. And, and uh, Denny Walker won that. that you was were a kid, and, yeah. And you, Denny Walker won. Jack, Jack, John Cosgrove was running. Arlette Preston was running. And you were running. And, and, and I held the final debate at KFGO for those mayoral candidates in Fargo. And this young guy at the table said, let's give these old people a break. Let's thank these senior citizens who have paid taxes their whole life. Let's let them get to their golden years and say, you know, we're going to let you off the hook a little bit. You've invested all these years. You know, JJ, that's still so relevant and it's, so needed. You know, it's so important if we could just do it. You know, what's amazing, John, is when, when I ran for mayor in 2006, when we had this debate, 52nd Avenue was is still a, a gravel road in parts of it, yep. and you know Frontier there is nothing around it, and now 
you look almost 20, uh, 20 years later, Fargo has expanded in so many different ways. And as a commissioner on the Fargo City Commission, it, you, it's great because you've got in a knowledge of what Fargo used to be, and clearly you're looking to what Fargo needs to be moving on because we are starting to have the growing pains of a major metropolitan we, area. I don't know if we're a big little city or a little big city. Right. <laughs> one, one of the things, like, I've, I've, I've been aware of because it's me and people I know is, this growth in Fargo, especially back then, was people leaving all those little towns out there. Mm-hmm. So their loss was our gain. You know, our people are from all those towns. Mm-hmm. We're, they're not the enemy of us. You know, this East and West, Fargo, Imperial caste mindset, you know, the reality is we're them, they're us. We're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if Fargo does okay, it's their family members and circles of people from those little tiny towns who are in Fargo are going to do well, too. And, then, and I don't think there's any, anything wrong with that, but there's sometimes this sense that Fargo gets everything. Well, but Fargo is really a, a phenomenal city to be in. We're, we're very lucky. I mean, take it from somebody who lived in Chicago for a while, and you tell tales of being back in Fargo and be like, listen, it's... It's reasonable to expect to own a, a vehicle and not have to pay for parking. The moment that someone has to pay for parking in Fargo, <laughs> you would think that the world's exploded. and be like, you should try downtown Chicago because you're paying yeah. ten times that and you're lucky if you even get the space afterwards. It's just a... We're, we're sitting in a, in a growth period right now where we need to make some pretty major moves in our infrastructure is due for some pretty major moves. And the costs are skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. So we need to pull our belts in. I, I think I just, we have to show some constraint and, and prioritize. You know, it's interesting you mentioned parking, JJ, and I, I wasn't around back then. I think it was, I don't know, it was in the 30s or somebody from West Hope, North Dakota, I think, years ago went to shop in Minot and was so angry that he had to put money into parking meters to go park in, in Minot. So I don't know if it was a referred or a, a initiated measure or pushed it. They made it illegal to have parking meters in North Dakota, and we haven't had them since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is amazing. So amazing. So it's, I'm not going to so, pay to go shop in your town. Ridiculous. <laughs> we do it through sales taxes now. <laughs> oh, this is Seat Yourself brought to you by the South Fargo Dairy Queen. John Strand is our guest today. You can join the conversation at 35270. This is Seat Yourself, brought to you by the South Fargo Dairy Queens and John Strand with us, Arlo Hendrickson. That was the family that had the the Strand Theater, exactly. In Grafton, North Dakota. Yeah, isn't that something that people are (laughs) pulling this stuff out of the cobwebs? My brain isn't up to it all the time, but that's something. Google thinks it's pretty good, but really it's KFGO listeners. Yeah, it is. And and you know, the Strand Theater, they used to have one of the last drive-in theaters west of town. Oh, I spent a lot of time at that drive-in theater. Yeah. What an era. Was it was it a strand? Was it called? Like it was it was the strand theater, strand twin, or I forget what they mm-hmm. called it. But they had a drive-in west of town, and and you'd you'd have a car full of kids, and everybody'd be lined up with people around the cars on top of the hoods, and you had this thing like the A and W's where you hang it, you yeah. hang your microphone in your window. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Gee, that was something. There used to be one up in North Fargo by the. Uh, but, you know, it was a, the Starlight, I think. Yeah, is what it was called. And yeah. then I think there was one in South Moorhead. I think. I believe you're right. Way back when. That's something that should come back. You know, there's one up in Warren, Minnesota. If you drive really? straight up on I-29, it kind Warren. of got repopularized during the pandemic. I mm-hmm. think a little bit, like people. Well, and now you bring in the the sound through your radio, 
So however good your car speakers are, rather than that tinny, the tinny microphone yeah. box that you're talking about. So. Well, Arlo Hendrickson, that's good to know from Grafton. Yeah. That's my go. home area. I love there. that. Do you ever go back? I do. I, it's, it's funny, you, you know, I, I'm from Crystal. I work in Grafton. I go up to Grafton. I go up to the uh, Highway 66 at Drayton. I cut across to Crystal. I never understood this as a kid. I just didn't understand it when mom would take us to the cemeteries. Yeah. I have a rule now, and it's a hard, fast rule. I can never go to that corner of the state, ever, without making the time to go to the cemetery in Crystal. Yeah. So I drive up there. It doesn't matter the season. I might sometimes be looking <laughs> through blizzards and snow and waving at my family's gravestones and stuff. But I, then I go see my family in Mountain. Where the Icelanders, the, the, yep. the Icelanders, you're the Icelanders, yes. all those yeah, yeah, yeah. are up in the Milton Iceland, Garter, <laughs> yep. Cavalier, yep. Mountain my husband area. Has, my husband has families up there too, Helgos. So, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. No, They had the five quads, didn't they, the Helgos? I, I, I don't know. Don't ask me his family history. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there was a Helgo who got a, a elk up there one year, maybe a moose. Oh, probably, Gee, probably, yes. People are going to say, you really don't know anything what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> You know, isn't that a very North Dakota thing, though, where you just say the town you're from and then a last and name? Last and last name. Like, well, yeah. you know Bruce oh, yeah. and Shirley. <laughs> it's, 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 it's part of our culture. It is. When, when I lived out east one time, I was in New York City, and, and I was driving down this however many lane highway, and a car flew past me, and I saw a North Dakota plate. And I'm trying to catch up to this car. I'm trying to catch up to this car. I'm trying to weave through the traffic to get up to this car because I knew. If I could just see where they're from, I knew they, we would know some people right. in common, as if we could do that on the highway. Right. But that's North Dakota. That's uh -huh. so North Dakota. It really is. Okay, someone said, I am going back to parking meters for just a moment. Someone, <laughs> someone wrote in and said, I'm, I'm 67 years old. I remember coming to downtown Fargo for crazy days with my mom when I was little. Best memory was putting money in the parking meter. <laughs> and I bet they went to Woolworths. <laughs> I, I bet. You know, that was something back then. Yeah. Someone else said Hatton had a drive-in theater for years and years. Sad that towns don't have them anymore. I don't know. There, I think there is a little bit of an appetite for drive-in theaters again. You know what I like about it is I, I get very frustrated being in an audience nowadays who doesn't respect the fact that you're not supposed to talk on your phone or text or open an app while you're in a movie theater. If it's just me in the car, you no can. worries. We've had some moments where they'll, like, aim the the movie Fargo at the side yes. of the Radisson yeah. Hotel. And yes. you can pull up. That's a long time ago, too. You know, that they do some of that around town. But we, the drive-in theaters were just a... Yeah, that is definitely... I, I believe there was a, a survey of young people not many years ago. That was one of their top requests. Really? A drive-in movie Bring theater? back drive-in theaters. Yeah. Really? I mean, I've never experienced one. I've never been to one. Well, you know, Amy and I did a, a drive-in experience during yeah. COVID. We did parking lot bingo. Yeah, where people <laughs> play the bingo were in their huge. car. Yeah, and so people <laughs> clearly like to be in their vehicles. They do. But have a community aspect of yeah. the vehicles. <laughs> okay, so John Strand, let's talk about High Plains Reader today. Good question. It's we're once a month. We we COVID hit us, and we were struggling anyway. You know, newspapers are. We're, the the village voice was the first granddaddy of all the all the alternative newspapers and for me alternative people say ah oh, you know you alternative people to me alternative is you're editorially driven but distributed for free 
you don't have subscriptions. That, yeah. to me, is what alternative it means. It doesn't lead, mean you're ultra left wing. Right. <laughs> yep. you know, but that's Agreed. a North Dakota's term. But but we were we were struggling, and we had a president that was saying the media is the enemy of the people. It was just not fun trying to survive as a newspaper. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I I really respect the media in town, but the but the High Plains Reader was the only newspaper to ever last for more than two and a half years in like sixty years. Wow. There were several attempts at newspapers, but nobody ever could get the traction. And but ours was based on heart. So when COVID hit, we shut down for like eight or nine months. We pulled in our belts, tried to reinvent everything, and we came back once a month. We consider our, uh, ourselves, Sabrina Horning is still the editor. Uh, Alicia Underly Nelson is, is our ad director. We, we, we distribute through Hornbacher's primarily, you know, the high volume outlets. Mm-hmm. We also kind of send papers up. We distribute in Grand Forks. We distribute in Mayville and, oh, I'm sorry, Valley City and Jamestown, and we're adding Dickinson. In our mind, we're kind of like the independent monthly yeah. of the state, kind of reinventing ourselves. We don't get into what's happening this week at a bar and sure. bands. You know, yep. we're more uh, and we're we're becoming somewhat of an anchor for the arts community. All the nonprofit arts folks have found a home with us. So the High Plains Reader still exists. It's turning thirty in September. Wow! Really, thirty, 30 years, years old. old. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It, to me, it's you talk about institutions in yeah. in the area. You know, you wouldn't walk into a coffee shop without seeing a stack of HPRs and then three people reading them at the same time, too. I used to deliver the paper. That was really something when people come and grab it out of your hands. Yeah. And wonder when you're going to show up and take your paper <laughs> from you. But, you know, we were so busy putting the fires out, dealing with headaches and, and, and stuff that we, we, and you'd put out a paper and you'd just start focusing on your next right. horizon, which we didn't know the reach we had. We didn't know how far out we yeah. were rippling. We were so up to our ears with just dra- always, draining the swamp. You I know? always and say that you're on a treadmill. You, know? you like are on people, a treadmill. Like people will ask you us, like, what's your favorite interview? And I'm like, I don't know. I, we're on a treadmill. Yep. We're done with one show. We're on to the next show. We're not even thinking about what's in our rearview mirror anymore. I, I would guess I've written, I've, I've said this for years. For years I've said, oh, I've written at least a thousand editorials. I wouldn't even know. Or how many covers did Raul Gomez do? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I loved it when he, when one time the Plains Art Museum, right in the very front gal- entrance, did an exhibit of the High Plains readers, 15 years worth of art. And that was a reflection of Raul's art and the artists he worked with and stuff. But I'm glad we still exist. Oh, my gosh, yes. And, you know, how how beautiful of you to come back and say, okay, we're not leaving. We're just transforming into who we are. Everybody has these transformation moments where they kind of change who they are. And when I was in college, the HPR is what you picked up to figure out where the bands were that weekend and what was coming up and where everyone was going to be. And now it's a bigger, broader idea with with a focus on, on a more statewide approach. It's got a bigger message. It's more than the bands that are coming up on Saturday. So, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. You've grown up a little bit. And Sabrina, our editor, is from a little town out there, and she lives and works in little towns out there, and she's really brought to us the mindset of the small town culture. Yeah. What these towns and rural parts are dealing with to have a grocery store, to have a cafe, yes, yeah. or to have people, you know, she's, and, and, and all of us from those places, we can relate. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Definitely, absolutely. completely relate. Yeah. 
I love that. Um, thank you so much for being our guest today on Seat Yourself. This was so fun. And thanks for the burger. Yeah, you're very welcome. for hosting us. What a <laughs> good change of the pace. And, and how how enjoyable. You know, I'm talking with Amy about her Bjornsson background, and I'm reminding JJ when he ran for mayor. And <laughs> I remember when you were 20. You were just a kid. Yeah, I was. I was. A, I was yeah. a young pup. Now I will say this. I also said that downtown needed a skating rink. We got that eventually. We needed a four-way stop at Island Park. We got that eventually. Maybe I was just ahead of my time. Here's, here's one thing I'll put that. out there. As long as we're talking wishes, I'd love to put a dome over the skate park. Yes. yes. I, yeah. I These young po- kids, that they yes. need that all year long. Yeah. yeah. These folks that think skate skateboarders are criminals, no, yes. they're not. Right. Yeah, Give I, them something good to idea. do. Anyway, that's... And okay. give them a place to congregate. I love... It. John Strand had like 20 seconds left, and he had to throw out a big idea. I love that. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, very much. Thank you much. so much. This is It Takes Two. Amy Eiler, JJ Gordon, and Seat Yourself brought to you by the South Fargo Dairy Queens.